The week we've all been waiting for Ohio State versus Michigan, number two versus number three, everything on the line for both teams as a Big Ten championship game berth and college football playoff hopes will be on the line in the game, the biggest game every year, but especially this year as Ohio State looks to avenge last year's loss in Ann Arbor. Michigan looks for its second win in a row over Ohio State and a game that we've been anticipating it all year here in Columbus. I know they've been anticipating it up there all year in Ann Arbor, but I mean, this is a game, not just the game of the year for these two teams, but the game of the year in college football. With everything that's riding on the line here, two 11-0 teams going into this game, playing for all the marbles. I mean, this these are the kind of games that we all look forward to. These are the kind of games that, that everything builds up to. And I think after, I mean, we've been talking about this game for an entire year. I mean, we've been talking about it since last year's loss. I, I think we're all excited to get to the shoe on Saturday and, and see what happens. It is a big time ball game, Dan. That is to be sure. And I think it's it's very well publicized at this point that this is the first matchup between two 11-0 Ohio State and Michigan teams since the game of the century back in 2006. But Dan, both teams had, had a real scare there over the weekend where we thought at first it was, it was watching Michigan play while we were in the, in the press box at College Park and thinking, man, Michigan might fumble the bag, so to speak, and, and uh, not head into this last weekend of the regular season with a, an unblemished record, they end up getting the job done against Illinois with that field goal in the, in the, in the waning seconds there. And then even Ohio State, Dan, we, we talked about it all week, was Ohio State looking past Maryland in a potential kind of trap game situation. Obviously, you, you hearken back to the 2018 game, that being much closer than people thought with the, with the Michigan game being right after that one. This one, uh, maybe not quite as dramatic as that 2018 game, but certainly a very tight ball game for all four quarters. I mean, Ohio State, Dan, even in the final minute of the game, was still clinging onto a three-point lead, ends up kicking that field goal with, I think, 42 seconds left to put him up six. And there was still a chance for Maryland to come down the field and win the game even after that point. It was certainly a closer game than we were expecting. Yeah, I, I wish I would have stuck with my gut on my score prediction because my, my gut had told me all year that that was going to be a close game, if that was going to be a potential trap game and, 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 a, and a challenge for Ohio State. And I backed off of it last week because we had seen Maryland really struggle in its previous two games against Wisconsin and then getting shut out by Penn State. But, you know, Maryland, Maryland it was, it was back to full strength on Saturday. Natalia Tagovailoa, the struggles that he had had in the previous couple games, he looked healthy. He played great. It did turn out to be one of the two toughest tests of the year so far, for sure, for Ohio State's pass defense. And we saw Buckeyes have some trouble slowing down that that Maryland offense, which I think is something that before the last couple of weeks we had, we had kind of been anticipating could be the case against Maryland. So not a shocker there. I think that the defense had some struggles, but still certainly surprising that this game was as close as it was. You look on the offensive side of a ball, a lot of it goes back to something we've been talking about a lot in the second half of the season, and that was struggling to run the ball, at least in the first half, with Travion Henderson coming back from an injury, Mayan Williams being out. They really couldn't get anything going in the ground game in the first half, but we did see in the second half, Dallin Hayden come in, take over Travion Henderson, and, and he had a huge game running for 146 yards and three touchdowns on, on 27 carries. Really, people were saying that Allen Hayden might have saved the season. I mean, he he really made a, a huge impact for the Buckeyes in that second half. It was not C.J. Stroud's sharpest day. The, the, the passing offense was not at its best in, the, in that game, and the defense certainly was not at its best in that game. But, you know, what Dallin Hayden was able to do there in the second half really made a huge difference. 
Yeah, and, and this is going to have major implications going into this Michigan Michigan game, right, Dan? Because Travion Henderson, like you mentioned, did not look healthy in that game, didn't end up taking a, a carry in the second half there. And Mayan Williams, of course, didn't play. Ryan Day did say after the game that the, that the plan, the expectation was that Mayan Williams would be back to return against Michigan. Of course, he was carted off of the field during the Indiana game after a huge first half that he had in that one. But the question becomes, I mean, is Dallin Hayden, if he is certainly healthier than either of those two guys, it's it would seem right now, the, as hot a hand as he's been, is he the best option for Ohio State rather than trying to kind of force Henderson and, and Williams back into the mix if those guys are still banged up like we saw from Henderson this past weekend? On Tuesday, Ryan Day did say it's it's definitely worth a conversation for Hayden to receive perhaps a lot more carries, but he didn't seem, he wasn't necessarily fully committed to that idea, Dan. It didn't seem like he was dead set on making, naming Dallin Hayden the one going into the Michigan game. Well, he's right. It's definitely worth a conversation. So let's have a conversation about it because uh, I, I do, I think this is one of the, just in terms of Ohio State's preparation for this game, certainly one of the more fascinating storylines going into this game because, I mean, we've seen, I, I mean, I, I've said it all year long, I think Mayan Williams is Ohio State's best running back when, when he's healthy. And so I, I think if he's healthy, I, I think he will be RB1. I think he'll most likely be the starting running back in Saturday's game if he's healthy, which we don't know right now. You know, what I can say is I was at a charity event on Monday and Mayan Williams was there and he did not have any anything extra on his foot or ankle. He appeared to be walking normally. Ryan Day did say after Saturday's game that he was hopeful that things were trending toward Mayan being able to return this week. So my hunch is is that Mayan will play. I, I think with Travion, I think I think what's pretty clear based on what we saw in the first half of that game against Maryland is that if he's not healthier than that, he he's not a guy that they can they can put out there for a ton of carries on on Saturday because I I think he I think he's just not healthy enough right now to to be effective as a runner to be the kind of player that we saw from him last year and so uh, he he's the guy that I have the most questions about I think in terms of whether he'll play at all or even if he is available does does he really not play much even if he is available I think it's it's interesting because. We've never really seen, with Tony Offord as running back coach, we've never really seen them rotate three running backs. Like, they've often rotated two running backs, but it's very rare that they have a three guys really getting regular touches at running back. And so I, I think my, my feeling it would be that it's probably going to be two guys splitting a bulk of the, the carries and I think a lot of that is going to depend on how healthy Mayan and Travion are. But, you know, the way Dallin Hayden's been playing, I mean, I think he certainly belongs in that rotation. I think, again, just going off what we saw against Maryland, if if, if Travion is as healthy this week as he was last week, then I think it would be pretty clear based on what we saw last week that Hayden should be playing over Travion Henderson. Mayan Williams, it's kind of impossible to evaluate where he'll be on Saturday because he didn't play at all last week. But I think like if I just had to guess, like I know one of the questions we got this week was just over under how many carries each guy will get. I, I don't know if I'm going to put numbers on it, but like if I just had to guess right now, I'm going to guess that Mayan Williams and, and Dallin Hayden end up splitting most of the carries on Saturday. What do you think? Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, Henderson was literally wearing a, a walking boot before the game even ended there in the second half. And Ryan Day had said that Henderson had a really good week of practice leading up to that game and, and wasn't experiencing much pain. But even after the very first drive for Ohio State, the, the drive in which Henderson made that 31-yard touchdown on that pass play, he was already starting to kind of jog in place and, and look like he was feel, experiencing some discomfort and then eventually getting looked at by trainers a little bit. So it was clear that it's not at full strength there. But Dan, this goes to something we were we were asked as well by, by GoBucks10. We've talked a little bit, and, and Ryan Day's even kind of referred to himself this year as, as stubborn in certain situations when it comes to the run game, whether that be like trying to prove a point on, in, in these short yardage situations that Ohio State hasn't necessarily excelled at on these third and shorts fourth and shorts in the second half of the season when the run game hasn't exactly up to snuff. And, and GoBucks10 wants to know, what are, what are our thoughts, Dan, on Day's 
stubbornness with the offenses as it pertains to the running backs and the O-line. And I think I wonder if that pertains also to the fact that Day is not just being like, listen, a, a little more pushing Hayden a little bit more as a potential top option for the Michigan game. Yeah, I mean, well, in terms of our running backs, you you and I have talked about this off air. Like, you have to, like, does Dallin Hayden fumble all the time in practice or something? Because <laughs> Ryan Day, every single time he gets asked about Dallin Hayden, he brings up ball security. He's got to be good about ball security, but he, he hasn't fumbled in a game yet. So it doesn't seem to be a problem, at least not in the game. It, it It's it's evident based on the way that Ryan Day keeps bringing that up that he still doesn't quite fully trust in Dallin Hayden to not fumble the ball. And I think that's likely the biggest reason why they've been hesitant to really give him more of that workload of, of carries. But I, I do think that, again, the, this is the week where you can't afford to be stubborn. This is the week where you've got to identify these are our best players. These are the guys who give us the best chance to win. And those guys have to play. It doesn't matter seniority or any of that doesn't matter this week. This week, it's all has to be about who are the players that give us the best chance to win, whether that be because of talent or because of health. You have to play the guys who give you the best chance to win. And so I think that's going to be that evaluation there of how much do we do we really trust down Hayden, but I think the way he he did say that about it's definitely more of a conversation made me feel like his tone was shifting a little bit there in terms of like he I think he did see enough in that Maryland game to feel better about giving Dallin Hayden significant carries this week should that be the, the route they need to take. And so, again, I think that one's going to be really interesting. I think in terms of the offensive line, I mean, I, I think a lot of that, I'm guessing, kind of goes back to the conversation that started last week with you know, should Josh Fryer be playing more? And, I mean, there's a good chance they're going to need to make a change on the offensive line this week anyway because Matt Jones, we saw in the final possession of a game, he he got rolled up on. He he had to be carted back to the locker room, and he was on crutches after the game. And so Matt Jones might not even be able to play. And if he isn't able to play, then they're going to have to make a decision between, okay, do we play Enoch Vamahi, who's been practicing as a backup guard all year, or do we kick Josh Fryer inside, even though Josh Fryer has been working as a tackle most of this year? I, I, if I had to guess, my guess would be that they go with Mahi based on the fact that Fryer hasn't been practicing at guard much this year. But, you know, I'm sure Fryer is going to get plenty of reps at guard in practice this week to, to see how he does. And they'll probably... If, if Matt Jones can't play, they'll probably make that decision based on who has the better week of practice with both Vamahi and Fryer getting some reps in there in that right guard spot. I, I do want to point out, because of a conversation that had come up last week with Josh Fryer and Dewan Jones, that Dewan Jones, according to Pro Football Focus, was graded as Ohio State's best player in the Maryland game. They gave him a 90.4 grade on offense, an 88 grade in run blocking, and I, I thought the tape backed that up. I thought watching the game and seeing how he played, I thought he played really well. So I think the other four starters, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson, Luke Whipler, and Dewan Jones, they're, they're going to be your guys. But I, the right guard question is an interesting one. I mean, it's a, I, I know there's been some people who have maybe wanted to see a change at right guard anyway, but to me, that's a concerning proposition right now that you're going into the Michigan game and there's a good chance you're going to be playing a guy who's making his first career start at guard whether that be Fryer, who has one start at tackle, or Vamahi, who's been a career backup. Yeah, Dan, I think that's going to be a storyline that, that flies under the radar for a lot of people that, that aren't really paying attention to the details here coming into this game, because not only do you have the injury situation at running back, you also have that situation at guard now with Matt Jones being out. And I feel like the, the conversation about running backs in, in this Michigan matchup is, is mostly centered around, is Blake Corum going to play? But Ohio State certainly has questions of its own to answer in that position group. But Dan, sticking with the Maryland game here as we kind of close out our review of this past weekend's game, we should mention some, some standout performers on defense. Although it was not a, a perfect performance from the defense, of course, giving up 30 points to Maryland, but a, a few players that, that made a huge impact. You have to start with 
Lathan Ransom on special teams, on defense and special teams. Special teams for the second straight week, though, with a with a punt block for Ohio State in the second half, which really turned the tides for the Buckeyes early in that second half. Of course, the Buckeyes trailed at halftime in this game. I think it was the third, the third time now they've trailed at halftime and had to mount a second half comeback to get the job done. Ransom with, with a, uh, a punt block that gave Ohio State the ball deep in Maryland territory there, set up one of Hayden's three rushing touchdowns, which was the go-ahead score for Ohio State. Ohio State never relinquished the lead after that. And then, Dan, we found out after the game that Lathan Ransom actually broke his thumb on the first play of the game against Maryland and still went out there and he sacrificed his hand, so so to speak, to be able to make that huge play on special teams. Yeah, I mean, Lathan Ransom, I mean, what a what a pair of back-to-back games he's had to really productive on defense in both games and blocking a punt on both games. I mean, he, he, he's he been playing really fantastic football for Ohio State, becoming a real star on, on defense. And I mean, two guys, I mean, him and, and Tommy Eichenberg, I mean, what can you say about their toughness? Learning that Leif and Ransom had a broken thumb and that Tommy Eichenberg has been playing with two apparently broken hands. He, he When he was asked on Tuesday, he didn't really give a straight answer on whether they're actually broken, but you know, but he's playing with two injured hands and that didn't stop him from making 13 tackles against Maryland. So, I mean, those are two guys who you could easily say are are Ohio State's two best defensive players this year. I think Ronnie Hickman's in that conversation, JT Tuimola, Zach Harrison in that conversation as well. But those are two guys who have been stars for this defense, guys who are potential All-Americans, and both of them just showing incredible toughness. I mean, we've heard all the questions about toughness with this team. You cannot question the toughness of, of Leif and Ransom going out there playing the whole game with a broken thumb and and blocking a punt with his broken thumb and Tommy Eichenberg making 13 tackles with two broken hands. Yeah, and Dan, how about Zach Harrison as well with another game in which he causes a, a turnover and really at the best possible time for the Buckeyes on Saturday. Of course, we mentioned earlier that Maryland had a chance to still win the game in the final minute of that game. Tagovailoa on offense, though, gets sacked by Harrison on back-to-back plays during that that final consequential drive there at the end. The second one causing a, a fumble slash interception. What, what was it actually ruled? An interception? It was it was ruled a forced fumble, forced fumble and recovery by Chambers. The ball never hit the ground. It popped up in the right. air. So it looked like a pick six initially, but it was it's considered to be a fumble recovery because Tagovailoa's arm wasn't going forward when the ball got knocked out of his hand. Yeah, and we've seen those long arms of Zach Harrison, that 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 length and an ability to actually finish out some of these plays and, and get sacks this season, really pay off for Zach Harrison this season. And it really feels like this is certainly the, the best football he's played. And he's doing it now consistently, which is something that we might not have seen in the past. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Zach Harrison, where I think we've been waiting his whole career to kind of see him take that next step. And I think we've seen him do that, especially here in the second half of a season where I think we've seen it at defensive end where there was a lot of talk about kind of the over rotation of the defensive ends. And we've seen it here in this past month that it, it, it has become more clear the hierarchy at that defensive end position where Zach and JT have been playing most of the snaps. Jack Sawyer has been working in there a good amount too as the third defensive end and as a jack linebacker. And then a guy like Javante Jean-Baptiste who was playing more early in the year, he, he's really only been playing sparingly of late as they're, they're really giving those snaps more to, to those guys who have established themselves as the top players, which I, I certainly think is the right move going into big games like the one coming up this weekend. And I think, again, I mean, there was a time earlier in the year where I think people were like, why is Zach Harrison keep playing? Why is he the guy that plays so many snaps? I think he's proved with his play recently why he, he is still one of the best defensive players on his team. Yeah, but Dan, defensively, I, I think that the fact that Talia ended up with 293 yards, two touchdowns, and had a, had a 26-yard rush in there as well. And just the fact that Maryland was able to put up 30 points on Ohio State defense that hasn't given up a whole lot of points from week to week this season. Those are some concerns coming out of this game. I think when you look at Michigan, not the most dynamic passing team in the country, but certainly the, the mobile quarterback question for Ohio State that's that's kind of gashed them a few times, not super consequentially in terms of, obviously Ohio State's still sitting at 11-0 coming into this game, but that's certainly something to look at moving forward there. Dan, and, and what did you make? I know you you got a lot of questions about the way the cornerbacks were playing against Maryland and how the Terps were able to take advantage of that. W- what was that all about? Yeah, I mean, 
well, I don't, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to ask Jim Knowles about it. I, I had wanted to ask Jim Knowles about it on Tuesday and time was tight in the press conference. And so I just didn't get called on. So unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to ask him about it. And, and nobody else asked him about it because a lot of people had already moved on to Michigan. But I, I was interested in kind of getting his perspective on what what goes into his philosophy of whether to press for corners or whether to have them play back. Because he's talked so much about being aggressive. And I, I know Greg McElroy was pointing it out a lot on the broadcast of the game about you know, how soft they were playing. I mean, there were a lot of times where it was third and eight or whatever, and they're playing 10 yards off the ball and they're, they're giving up those completions in front of them for first downs. And so I, I, I don't know that you can read too much into to one game, but you know, it, it, I do think it's fair to kind of look at that game and go, okay, do they maybe not have as much confidence as they need to have in those corners being able to press consistently? Is that why they're playing them forever off the ball? Because we did see quite a few examples in this game uh, of the, of the corners getting getting beat for big plays. I thought Cameron Brown. I thought had a really good game for for the second week in a row. But we saw. I mean, I mean Jordan Hancock. He he had a rough day out there. He he got in there for eight snaps in the first half. Didn't play at all in the second half after getting beat multiple times. I think it was kind of an up and down day for for Denzel Burke. Here Brown got in there. Had some had some good moments. Did get beat for one long catch. But I mean, I've talked about it all year. I think. That, that that pass defense, like to me, uh, uh, that's still a concern. Like I, I still, you look at the way that game went and it's like, I, I still feel like if there's one thing that may ultimately be this team's Achilles heel, it it might be that pass defense if they, if they don't shore things up a little more than they have. I mean, I think the good news is you look ahead to this week's game. Michigan ranks 99th in, in passing yards per game. They are 45th in, in passing yards per attempt. So part of a reason why their passing yardage per game is lower is just because they've leaned so heavily on their run game. But Michigan, not a elite, not an elite passing offense by any means. I'd still say probably a top three passing offense they faced because Ohio State has just not faced a lot of top passing teams. So I think right there behind Penn State and Maryland, I, I would put Michigan in terms of being the third best passing offense Ohio State has faced this season. So that's still something that Ohio State needs to shore up even going into this week. I think the run defense is going to be a bigger question this week I think that has been Ohio State's strength defensively. I mean, I think if you if you watch the game against Maryland, I think they did a great job against the run in, in this game. I think they held Maryland to I'd have to look at the stats, but I know I know it wasn't was four yards on thirty-one attempts. Yeah. So the the run defense was was pretty dominant in this game. And I think the other good the other big positive you can say about the defense is we saw it at the end of that game, but it this defense has shown that when Ohio State needs it to step up. When Ohio State needs the defense to step up and make a big play and a clutch moment in a game, we, we've seen this defense rise to the occasion consistently. So certainly I think you look ahead to a game like this weekend, you're going to think they're probably going to have to do that again. If this game plays out the way I think you and I both think it will with being a four-quarter battle, the game could come down to whether Ohio State can make some key stops defensively. We saw last year, Ohio State couldn't do that in this game, and, and that's why they lost. This year, they're going to have to be able to do it. I mean, this is this is the biggest test yet, for sure, but we have seen them do that enough to where I think you can feel some confidence that the defense is probably not going to shut down Michigan on, on Saturday. Michigan's probably going to make its share of plays, but this defense has seemed to be at its best with the game on the line, and it's certainly going to need to be again this week. Yeah, Dan, there, there were certainly some concerning things there for Ohio State fans watching that performance, particularly in the first half. But I do think it's important to keep in mind that one week's game is not necessarily a great predictor for how the team is going to play the next week. Just think back to last season, Ohio State playing Michigan State before Michigan. They looked like absolute world beaters in that game against Michigan State. It seemed like, wow, Ohio State's really trending upwards at the right time to, to go into this Michigan matchup. And you look what happened there. I mean, think back to that 2018 game against Maryland, but Ohio State. That's why everyone was kind of down on Ohio State going into that Michigan game and thinking that that was the year Michigan might finally beat Ohio State. And we saw what happened in that Ohio State-Michigan game. And you also have to keep in mind, 
Ohio State was far from the only top team that struggled on Saturday. I mean, just we already talked about Michigan. I mean, they, they had to kick that field goal with like 12 seconds left or whatever it was to end up. They were down to Illinois at the time, and they ended up with just a two-point win there, not putting up very many points at all. Look, look at Georgia at number one. I mean, only beating Kentucky 16-6. to six. That's an ugly score, Dan. TCU needed a, a last-second field goal to beat Baylor. Tennessee suffered its second loss of the season. Certainly, Ohio State was not an outlier in terms of having an off performance on the the penultimate week of the regular season. Yeah, I think that's important perspective because I think there's certainly fans out there who who expect to see Ohio State look like a world beater every week. But the reality is nobody's playing at that level this year. Like, I mean, and there, there, there have been teams in the past in college football that have looked like that, but that team is not out there this year. There is, I, I like, right now, like, I think Georgia is the number one team. I'd still take them as the number one team, but you see it in a result like that against Kentucky that you know, Georgia's not just going out and dominating every weekend. Like, Georgia's had its share of, uh, of, of very tight games, too. So, I... You, you can't just look at one lackluster performance and then say, well, clearly this team is not good enough to win the national championship. No, that's not the case because everybody has had vo- those kind of games this year. And I, and, I, and I think as it pertains to this week, which is we could we could talk about the CFP as we've talked about in the past. I mean, I think the chances of Ohio State and Michigan both making the CFP actually increased this weekend, even with their struggles because of Tennessee losing. But I feel like for this week, we should really just keep our focus mainly on this game ahead because we could talk about the, the scenarios one way or the other next week, depending on how this week goes. But I think for the most part, people are really focused on this week and winning this game because if if Ohio State wins this game, Ohio State's going to be sitting in fantastic position to make the CFP. If Ohio State loses this game, Ohio State might not be out of it, but certainly nobody really wants to talk about that right now anyway. And so just as it pertains to this game, I do think you make a really good point about last year. I mean, Ohio State looked so good in that Michigan State game, and then they laid an egg the next week. Whereas, like you said, in 2018, they they struggle against Maryland. I mean, I, I I think I made the mistake of picking Ohio State to lose to Michigan the following week, and then Ohio State comes out and they and they win big. And so, I I don't think it's. I want to be careful how I say it because I don't I don't want to like I don't want to try to put like too much of a positive spin on something that was just maybe not a great performance. But there's almost a part of me that thinks like a year ago, maybe they were, because we heard it from a couple of players on Tuesday, even that they were saying players maybe weren't taking the, the game quite as seriously because of how much success they had had against Michigan in recent years. So I feel like last year, it's like they went all out for that Michigan State game. Like they played like their best football of the year. And then they weren't able to duplicate that the next week to where maybe it's not quite a bad thing that Ohio State didn't play its A game against Maryland because this is the week Ohio State needs to play its A game. I mean, Ohio Ohio State did what it needed to do to beat Maryland. I'm sure they would have liked to have built a big lead and been able to take their starters out early and give them some more rest. But they did what they needed to do to beat Maryland. And the fact that they struggled against Maryland isn't necessarily indicative of anything we're going to see this week. And so I think it's probably true that both Ohio State and Michigan were were looking ahead to this week, even if they didn't want to acknowledge it leading up to the game. But you know, my my feeling is the version we see of Ohio State this week is going to look different than the version we saw last week. Now, that doesn't mean that Ohio State's going to blow Michigan out because Michigan is a much better team. But I am I fully expect that we're going to see Ohio State is putting everything it can into this game and that we are going to see Ohio State's best effort whatever that ultimately looks like on Saturday. Yeah, Dan, in this game, just the stakes of this game, the stage of this game, the rivalry in general, I mean, Ohio State fans are never going to say that, that a Michigan loss was good for the, the rivalry or anything like that, From but I think from a lot of people's perspectives covering the game, it, it makes the rivalry more interesting that Michigan did win last year just because there's there's a whole new level of kind of pressure and, and everything, pomp and circumstance kind of surrounding it now because 
we don't know who's going to win this game for, for a long time there. Ohio State, you could almost pencil them in like going into last year, especially after, after that Michigan State performance. A lot of people were, were thinking Ohio State, they just get the job done against Michigan every year. This year, there's legitimate doubt that Ohio State is going to be able to avenge that loss, even though they, they are a one score favorite and everything like that going into this one. And I think a lot of people on the 11 Warriors staff, perhaps even you and I, Dan, are still going to end up picking Ohio State to win. It, it, it's a it's it could be a very close one. I, I, I don't have total faith, total confidence that Ohio State's going to win this game. But I think that only adds to what this game actually is. Yeah, I, mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, I know everybody wants to hear our predictions and we will make those at the end of a show. But like, that's really where I am. Like, I don't know who's going to win this game. Like, I, I, I feel like it feels like it's close to a 50-50 game to me. I, I think I would say it though, like, where do I really feel going into this game? I would say I feel 60-40 Ohio State because for two reasons. One, well, uh, three reasons, actually. One, Ohio State having the home field advantage. I mean, we've we've seen it. If you look at the numbers, uh, Ohio State has played a lot better this year at home than it has on the road. Each of its its last three road games were decided by 14 points or less. The last, I think, basically every home game except for the Notre Dame season opener has been a 29 or more point win for Ohio State. So Ohio State has been a lot better at home than it's been on the road. And so I think playing at home versus playing on the road last year is one reason to feel good about Ohio State. Secondly, I mean, I I, I just think that I think that Ohio State takes this game seriously every year, but I think it's a different level this year. Coming off of what happened last year getting embarrassed, all the things that they heard out there. The first loss in a decade. I mean, everybody on the team experiencing their first loss against Michigan. I think that's ratcheting up the preparation, ratcheting up just how all in Ohio State is going to be on this game. And I I know Doug LaMaurice asked a question in the press conference on Tuesday about whether this game is comparable to the 2020 Clemson game. And and I think that's a good comparison because that's the only other time we've seen Ryan Day go into a game as Ohio State's head coach against a team that had already beaten him. And we saw in that game, I mean, that that's, I think, is probably the best game that we've seen from a Ryan Day team in his Ohio State career. And so I think I, it, it's not tangible. It's something that you can say, and it's probably kind of cliche, but I do think there's something real to it, this idea of, I don't know if we've seen Ohio State's A game yet this year. I feel like we should see it on Saturday. And so I think if we do, if we do see it, then that certainly increases Ohio State's chances of winning. And then I think the third thing that puts it to 60-40 is the fact that we don't know if Blake Corum is going to be healthy for Michigan. And we've already talked about the running back injury situation for Ohio State with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams both being banged up. But you know, Michigan in a very similar situation now of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards both being banged up. And I think if you're going to look at this matchup and say, okay, which team is going to be hurt more if it doesn't have a healthy stable of running backs on Saturday? My answer on that would be Michigan because we, we know Ohio State has CJ Stroud. Ohio State has an elite passing offense. Michigan does not have that. Michigan has been dominant on the on the run they've been a fantastic rushing rushing offense and it's going to be a huge test for Ohio State's run defense but if that's a wounded rushing attack is that something Michigan can overcome I'm not going to say they can't but I do think it's going to make their path to winning certainly more difficult if they don't have a healthy Blake Corum yeah I certainly agree Dan. and and for Ryan Day I mean this this is certainly an absolutely important game right I mean Starting one and two against Michigan, of course, the, the two teams didn't play in 2020. I think a lot of fans were would have been very confident in Ohio State's chances to beat Michigan in 2020. Of course, that was when the, the hang 100 on them was born out of the whole COVID situation and everything like that. The two teams didn't end up playing that year. But now Randy sitting at one and one against Ohio State's arch rival and people. It's It was a long time before Ohio State fans experienced a loss to Michigan and just imagine what would happen if day started one and two against Michigan and the, the John Cooper comparisons and stuff like that would start flooding in pretty, pretty quickly, I think. And so a lot of people, fans want Ohio state to be winning national championships, at least contending, getting to the CFP. But I mean, it it really does go. And you, you start to take almost for granted the, the beating Michigan once you've beaten Michigan for 10 years running, but 
now after seeing Ohio State lose to Michigan last year, it's like for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes, like it really is goal number one to get past Michigan because all the rest of their goals are on the other side of that. Yeah, I'll say it. I think this is the most important game of Ryan Day's Ohio State tenure so far. I mean, we've seen him playing in a national championship game. I think certainly that Clemson game we just mentioned, that was a really important one. But I think this is the most important game of Ryan Day's Ohio State career. I mean, I think to like you said, I mean, I think if he goes if he goes one and two, I mean, now let's now let's get out in front of it. Just 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 to be clear, I mean, Ryan Day's not getting fired if he loses this game. He's not going to be on a hot seat if he loses this game. I know there's going to be people out there who say that he should be if he loses this game, but Ryan Day's not going to be on a hot seat if if he loses this game from the administration perspective, from Ohio State's perspective. They're not going to fire Ryan Day if he loses this game, but. He certainly is going to feel the heat from the fan base if he loses this game. There's no doubt about that because this game is so important and it, and it and it's 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 what defines Ohio State coaches. I mean, when 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 people talk about Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel, both those guys won national championships. But a lot of times the first thing people talk about when they talk about those two coaches is how dominant they were against Michigan. I mean, you mentioned John Cooper. I mean, John Cooper had his share of success at Ohio State. But everybody knows him as the coach who couldn't beat Michigan. And so this game defines your legacy as an Ohio State head coach. And if Ryan if Ryan Day is going to become one of the all-time great Ohio State coaches, the first step to that is, is winning a lot more than you lose against Michigan. And so the fact that he's only one in one against Michigan at this point in his career – this this game matters so much. This game is going to be so defining to to how everybody views Ryan Day coming out of this season. Is it is Ryan Day truly an elite coach? If Ryan Day is going to be considered among the college football's elite coaches coming out of this season, this is a game he has to win. I agree for sure, Dan. And let's talk about some more matchups here in the game in terms of some some X's and O's type stuff. You, you talked about J.J. McCarthy's ability to, to be a dual-threat quarterback, Blake Corum's impact at running back if he's going to be 100%. But honestly, Michigan's offensive line is, is really a strength of that unit, and you kind of wonder, with as dominant as the Michigan run game's been this year, does it even matter who's, who's running the ball for the Michigan offense? Can they still find a way to be extremely successful against Ohio State. Now, the thing is, Ohio State, of course, has has been so successful at stopping the run this season, but I always go back to, again, last year, you look at what Ohio State, the Ohio State defense did against Michigan State. Now, of course, last season, the Ohio State defense did have some struggles with the run game when you look at the, the Oregon game and things of that nature, but for most of, much of the season, stopping the, they were very good at stopping the run. Now, I also think that this this year's Ohio State defensive line is is definitely improved to the one we saw last year with guys like JT coming into their own with guys like Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, those guys all have uh, Teron Vincent having his best year, Zach Harrison having his best year. So that gives me more confidence and the, and the injury issues for Michigan's running backs as well. But that's certainly going to be a matchup of, of high importance in this one. And then you think about on defense, Dan, I mean, Michigan's defensive numbers are, are super high. They're the number one total defense in the country. I think they rank top five in, in just about every major statistical category on defense. And you talk about stopping the run in the, the line of scrimmage in a, in a game like this, which is always going to be of high importance. Yet the, the fact that Ohio State's had all these running game issues is really a, a major kind of red flag for me going into this game just because it has been so stout this year. The, on the other side of that, though, you also have the fact that Michigan's schedule, if you look at it, they played one ranked opponent, Penn State. They had like the worst non-conference schedule in the country or, or close to that or something like that. So some of those defensive numbers, you have to wonder, is Ohio State going to be kind of a, a jarring jump up in competition compared to most of the teams Michigan has faced? Or is Michigan's defense really just that good? Because they've lost so many high caliber pieces from last year's defense. All those stars, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, all those guys. But they're still, even with a new defensive coordinator this year, they still rank very high in all those categories. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it with Ohio State all year, and I think it's true for Michigan as well, that the stats are a bit misleading. That I, I, I mean, you again, in Michigan's defensive stats, I mean, just to go through those again, they're number one in yards allowed per game. They're number two in points allowed per game. They're number two in rushing yards allowed per game and attempt. They're number two in passing yards allowed per attempt. They're number five in passing yards allowed per game. So uh, do I think Michigan's defense is necessarily quite as good as those numbers indicate? No. 
do I still think they're an elite defense? Yeah, I mean, you just look at those numbers. They're an elite. They're an elite defense. I mean, they've they've allowed one team all season. That team being Maryland to score more than seventeen points. So they're an elite defense. I mean, this is this is without a doubt going to be the best defense that that Ohio State has faced all year. I mean, certainly they they faced some good defenses, but this is this is a different level of test. And so I, I think you know, it it is true that you know the same is going to absolutely be said for Michigan that Ohio State's offense is going to be the best test that Michigan's defense has faced. But I mean, you just look at all those things you just talked about. I mean, I think the reality is like nothing's going to come easy in this game. Like it, what tipped the scales of the game last year was that running the ball did come easily for Michigan. And that's why they won that game. When I look at this matchup this year, there isn't any area that I look at for either team and say, I, I think this team is going to have a huge advantage in that area. I, I, I think, I think this game is going to be very competitive on, on both sides of the ball. And I think there's a good chance it, it's going to be one of those kind of games that's going to really come down to who can make that big play in the fourth quarter, who can make that 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 clutch play in, in, in the fourth quarter. Because I think both teams are going to have their moments on, on both sides of the ball. I, uh, I I do think it's a good point, though, you make, you know, about a running game being a, a red flag there for, for Ohio State because this is the kind of game when we talk, when Ryan Day talks about you need to be able to run the ball in November, this is the game that he's talking about. Like, this is the kind of game where they, they can't be one-dimensional. They, they can't be getting off schedule uh, on drives and, and having to come back from it. His defense is too good for them to just just be able to solely rely on their ability to pass the ball. And so I think balance is going to be important in this game. And I think running the ball, I mean, we've talked about those short yardage running situations. All those things are going to be important for Ohio State if Ohio State is ultimately going to come up with a victory in this game. At the same juncture, Dan, the, the fact that the running game has had its struggles, the injury issues as well, and you talk about the, the what this this game means for Ryan Day's kind of legacy, if if not his career legacy, his how we think of his career so far at Ohio State. Think about C.J. Stroud, who's going to be by all accounts leaving after this year to go pro. What what this game means for his legacy? I mean, think about the everyone knows the the, the Desmond Howard moment last year during the, the Heisman Trophy ceremony, kind of getting clowned on stage with with Aiden Hutchinson up there and Desmond Howard. I think that that moment has really stuck in his craw. He said after the Maryland game, he's heard all the criticism, all the laughter over the last year. And, and you just think about what his career would be at Ohio State if he ends up with two losses as a starting quarterback for Ohio State versus getting a chance to erase that blemish off of his record from last year. And he had a big game statistically against against Michigan last year. Of course, Ohio State's inability to run the ball was was really a major factor there. And of course, the, the, the defensive effort as well. But also, Dan, this is has major implications, of course, in his Heisman Trophy campaign as well, because I think coming off of last week, We've seen Stroud have a couple of, of ho-hum performances here as the season has kind of wound down. And, and then Caleb Williams for for USC, although they have one loss and, and aren't quite in that top four right now, he just keeps putting together huge statistical performances. And if Stroud can do that against Michigan, I think it puts him back in the driver's seat for sure for that award. Well, you look at the last time an Ohio State player won the Heisman. It was at 2006, the year you mentioned game of a century. Troy Smith has a huge game against Michigan, and that propels him to the Heisman Trophy. I think C.J. Stroud enters this game in, in exactly that position. I think I think if C.J. Stroud goes out and he has a big game and he is the reason Ohio State wins on Saturday, he leads Ohio State to victory. I think there's a great chance C.J. Stroud will win the Heisman Trophy in two weeks. But I think he needs that performance, like you said. I mean, I think he's still right there as that frontrunner, but he hasn't had that defining game that, that a Heisman winner usually has, I think. I think he's had good games, but I don't think he's had that defining game, that dominant performance against a great opponent that you can really point to and say that was his Heisman moment. So I think he needs that Heisman moment this this weekend and and this is the perfect stage for him to make his statement that he is the best player in the country but i think even more than that for cj stroud i mean he just wants to win he just wants to beat michigan i mean you you think about guys like cj stroud or or paris johnson or jackson smith and jigba who we don't know if he'll be able to play but you know at least being a part of the, the team you those guys have never experienced a win over michigan because their their freshman year 
the game got canceled because of COVID and then they lost last year. So a guy like CJ Stroud, his class, guys like that, if they go to the NFL, they're at risk of being the first class of Ohio State players in a long time to never experience a win over Michigan. And so I think for, for those guys, just, just beating Michigan, just getting that pair of gold pants that they don't have yet, that's the biggest motivation of all for those guys. And I certainly think, based on, because of everything you just said, that DJ Stroud is going to be extremely hungry to, to have a career kind of game on Saturday. And Dan, you mentioned JSN there. I think some people might be wondering, is this the, the last chance for, for JSN to get back in the mix? I certainly think at this point, I, I, I personally would not envision him playing. And we talked about it earlier in the season, like would Ohio State try to like kind of force him back into the mix at the end of the season if he didn't have any any run up? And, and I think certainly at this point, I don't know why Ohio State would try to rush him in with, with without, a, without a game to get his, his feet under him or anything like that. And I don't think we already had our, our press conference on Tuesday and, and talked today and the players and everything like that. I, I do not think we're going to be getting any more update on Jackson Smith and Jigba before the game. Yeah, I don't think we're going to know much there until Saturday morning and until we see the status report. And then beyond that, beyond the status report, then we're going to be watching warmups to see who's out there warming up and who isn't. But yeah, I mean, there just hasn't been any indication that Jackson Smith and Jigba is likely to play next week. I mean, I, I thought Ryan Day's answer last Thursday was telling when he was asked about if he still expected Jackson Smith and Jigba to come back and play the season. And he said, I wouldn't say it's expecting, it's probably more hoping because that, that's the least confident we've heard Ryan Day sound all year about Jackson Smith and Jigba eventually coming back. Now, to the point you made about you know, this being Jackson Smith and Jigba's last chance, I don't think it's Jackson Smith and Jigba's last chance. I... I could see this being a Jalen Waddle kind of scenario where if Ohio State makes it to the CFP, that if he's healthy enough, then we could see him come back at the end of the year. And so I don't think this week is the cutoff for Jackson Smith and Jigba to play for Ohio State this year. Now, if Ohio State loses and Ohio State misses the CFP, then it probably is. But if Ohio State wins and makes the CFP and is playing for a national title, I certainly think that Jackson Smith and Jigba would, would want to get back for those games. But in terms of this week, I mean, the, the update is really that we don't have an update. I mean, we just, we haven't seen him around. Nobody's saying anything. And so for us to to pretend like we know more than we do, we're not going to do that. But I, I don't think, it, it doesn't seem promising for, for his chances. Now, to your point about, I don't know why they would try to do it. I know why they would try to get him back in there because he's a damn good player. And I, I, I do think they've missed him, especially in the second half of the season. Because I, I think, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is spectacular. Mecca Buka's a great player. We've seen Julian Fleming do some good things this year. But Jackson Sivanjigba is special. And I think especially the things he can do in the short and intermediate passing games, his route running ability, his ability to make plays in space, I, I do think they've missed that. And I think if he's healthy, that would be a huge boon for Ohio State's offense going into a game against a defense like this. But if he's not healthy then it kind of goes back to what you were talking about before with Travion and Mayan to where you don't want, if a guy's not healthy and he's just trying to play to be tough, but he can't play like his usual self, he might hurt the team more than help the team by trying to play hurt. And so if he's not healthy, then, you know, they're, they're just going to have to make do with the guys they have. But certainly I do think this is the kind of game where if he was healthy, You'd certainly love to have him out there because I do think he adds an extra dimension to this Ohio State offense that they don't have without him. Yeah, and we certainly don't think Jackson Smith and Jigger is going to be having a, a big impact in this game. But Dan, we know the legacy of this rivalry, which is, you know, that oftentimes a, a player can create an entire legacy for themselves based on one play or one moment or one game against Michigan in this rivalry series. We've seen it. All too often, you think about Chris Olave, guys like that in recent years. And we got asked, Dan, this week uh, by Wesbuck28. We've seen different guys step up in different moments for Ohio State this season. You think about JT, you think about Zach Harrison and some of the big moments he's had. Do you envision, Dan, a particular player having that type of moment that we remember them for this Michigan game? That's a great question. I mean, it's, it's so hard to pinpoint one guy, right? Because everybody's going to be trying to be that guy, but... I'm going to I'm going to go back to JT because we saw it 
at Penn State, the, the most competitive game Ohio State's played this year, when Ohio State really needed JT to rise to the occasion. I mean, boy, did he. I mean, he had one of the best games we've ever seen from a defensive lineman. So I'm going to go back to JT. I think that's a guy in a game like this where we know it's going to be physical. We know they need to stop the run and also put pressure on McCarthy, try to force him into making some mistakes. He's a guy that I, I pinpoint, I circle to look at, to have a big game on Saturday that the defense really needs to step up in a big way. I'm going to go with with Dallin Hayden because, listen, he he just might be the best option at running back, like, like everything we've talked about. And, listen, last year, Ohio State against Michigan, 64 rushing yards on 30 carries. It was their worst rushing yardage total and yard per carry average since 2011. That was a huge factor in that game. If Dallin Hayden has another 140-yard game, three-touchdown type of game, we could be looking at him as a huge X factor for th- this contest right here. And, and, and I also think CJ Stroud is a guy that Ohio State is going to need to have a, a standout performance for all those reasons that we talked about about the run game. Yeah, no, and it's certainly true of CJ Stroud. I mean, I think that's that's the obvious answer of the the guy that a guy that needs to elevate his game, a a guy who needs to be at his best. I I think CJ Stroud is the obvious answer of a guy who needs to be at his best. But I think one thing that maybe gets glossed over or maybe gets misrepresented sometimes is CJ Stroud played well last year. Like CJ Stroud didn't play poorly against Michigan last year. The the run defense played poorly and the rushing offense played poorly, but CJ Stroud didn't play poorly in that game. And so I do, CJ Stroud is absolutely a guy that I circle as a player to watch in this game as, as a guy. This is a chance for him to have that Heisman moment, that career defining performance. But this can't just be the CJ Stroud game. It's, it's, there's got to be, there's got to be more. There's got to be other guys who also step up in a big way if Ohio State's going to win this one. Dan, let's talk about some some stuff that I think Ohio State fans are going to be pretty interested to hear about in terms of the the, the post game chatter last year. There was a, certainly a lot of that on the Michigan side. When you talk about Josh Gaddis's comments with the toughness of the team, calling that into question. Of course, everyone will remember Jim Harbaugh's third base comment, kind of implying that, that, that Ryan Day was was given an advantageous position at Ohio State when he started his tenure there and kind of just t- took advantage of it more than building up the program himself. And I think Michigan supporters w- would argue that that was kind of in response to Day's whole hang 100 on him thing. And both coaches were asked about the, the third base comment this week on Monday and Tuesday. Jim Harbaugh said it called it irrelevant to this year's matchup, kind of didn't really want to lean into that at all. Ryan Day, kind of the same thing. But it was interesting, Dan, because he said there's a time and place to talk about that, and it's not right now. He So he didn't want to talk about it on Tuesday, but he did say maybe another time he would address it, which made me curious. Does he mean behind the scenes, off the record, or does he mean after Ohio State beats Michigan on Saturday, I'm more than willing to talk about it. I think that's what a lot of Ohio State fans are hoping for. <laughs> I think a lot of Ohio State fans are hoping that Ohio State is going to win and then Ryan Day is going to talk his shit in the postgame press conference. Now, will he? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's that's not really a side of Ryan Day that we've seen much of. So I don't know, but I don't rule it out. I mean, that's, I mean, because... Again, it goes back to how big this game is and how much we know Ryan Day and the Buckeyes want to win this game. Could could we see a a a more fiery Ryan Day? Could we see a a spiciness from Ryan Day that maybe we haven't seen in the past? It's probably getting ahead of ourselves talking about that before the game's been played. But uh, he he hinted at it, and so I certainly think. I mean. Win or lose, we're going to be interested to hear what we hear in the post-game press conference. But I think if Ohio State wins, I think certainly that's going to be one thing to watch for. Both Ryan Day and his players, do they perhaps have some verbal responses to some of the things that they heard in last year's post-game press conference? And also of note, Ohio State posted its its players that are going to be participating in Senior Day on Saturday, with this, of course, being the final home game and final game of the regular season in general. Ronnie Hickman told us during interviews on Tuesday that it will be his final game at the shoe and he will go pro next year. Dan, any surprise there and any surprise in general with that list of players? No, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised by Ronnie Hickman. I mean, he's a guy that I, I've talked about before who I, I think has flown under the radar more than he should. And I think that's true about NFL draft prospects as well. I don't I don't see his name a lot when I read stuff about NFL draft. But to me, I mean, 
I, I would look at Ronnie Hickman, I'd say a second round pick. I mean, I think that's how well Ronnie Hickman has played. I think he's a guy that has really everything you're looking for in an NFL safety in terms of his athleticism, his pass coverage ability, but he's also got that size and that physicality to come down and contribute in a run game. And so I think Ronnie Hickman's a bona fide NFL prospect. And I think with two years of, of starting experience and high level play under his belt at Ohio State, I think he's a guy who's absolutely going to be ready to go to the NFL next year. And so I'm not... I'm not surprised. It's, it's certainly notable that he made this decision now because I, I, I say that the one thing that surprised me, but I, I very much respect and appreciate it was just his honesty when he was asked about it. And he just said, yeah, it's going to be my last game of shoot because a lot of times guys will, will kind of play the line there where they go, eh, eh, I want to go through senior day just in case I haven't made a decision yet, but I want to make sure I get the chance to have that opportunity. He just came right out and said it. Yep. This is, this is it. Last game of shoe. So going to try to enjoy it and respect that. Now with that being said, guys going through senior day doesn't guarantee that they're going to leave. A lot of a lot of the seniors who are going through senior day on Saturday still have that extra year of eligibility. So there certainly could be a few guys who walk on Saturday who come back to play in every year. We saw that last year with Cam Brown and Mitch Rossi and Bradley Robinson. All of them walked on senior day and still decided to come back for another year. But a lot of notable Buckeyes who are going to be playing their final games in the shoe on Saturday. You know, Zach Harrison, Dewan Jones, Cam Brown, you know, Xavier Johnson, we've seen him really come on in a big way. Josh Proctor, Noah Ruggles, Tanner McAllister, Teron Vincent, Mitch Rossi. Those are just some of the names that are, are, are guys who you could be watching for the final time in the shoe on Saturday. Obviously not eligible for senior day because he's a third year Buckeye, but safe to assume this is probably going to be the final time that CJ Stroud plays in the shoe. And so certainly something to appreciate there if you're going to be at the game that it might be your final time to watch him play in person in a Buckeye uniform, unless you're planning to travel to postseason games. Uh, Paris Johnson's another guy you'd think would probably be in that boat. Of course, Jackson Swift and Jigbo, we don't know if he'll be able to play, but a good chance that he'll be going pro next year as well, regardless. And, and I think two guys who I, I certainly expect to get massive ovations from the crowd on Saturday, Cam Babb, who I believe is going to be the last player to walk out with his Blocko jersey, and Harry Miller, who retired over the offseason for mental health reasons. But he, as well as Marcus Crowley, who had to retire due to a knee injury, both of them are going to be participating in senior day on Saturday. So Pretty cool there that those guys, even though they weren't able to play this season, are going to get that chance to have that moment and, and be recognized by the crowd and by their teammates. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool, Dan. Dan, let's cut to the chase here. I think the people the people want to know, Dan, we've gotten to that point in the podcast. Give me your prediction for the big game, the game, Dan, on Saturday. I, I, I've i gone back and forth on just how to predict this game because I've it's so I, I, I fully am expecting a, a four quarter battle. I'm fully expecting this to be probably a one a one score game. I just think the, the way these two teams have played all year, that that's the kind of game that you have to go into this expecting. But as I said before, I, I, I feel 60 40 in, in favor of the Buckeyes winning. And so I am going to predict an Ohio State win on Saturday. I am going to go with the final score of 34 to 30 in favor of the home team. Well, Dan, I did realize after asking you to go first, sir, that I, sh I should have gone first because I predicted separately before I knew what Dan's score was for anyone wondering there. A 33 to 30 win for Ohio State in this matchup. So not too far apart there, but I promise you. I am not cheating off of Dan's answers on the test there in terms of coming up with that one. But yeah, I just think I would not be surprised if Michigan ends up with the victory. Both teams struggled last week, so that kind of, it, it's not the same as last week when you had a team looking just amazing like Ohio State did coming out of that MSU matchup. So, so it, it really does feel as close going into the game as it's been for me the last three or so years covering the game and in these two teams. Yeah. And I think you're know, just looking at our score predictions here. I think obviously we're both kind of predicting the same kind of game, but we don't think Ohio state's offense is going to have the, the biggest day in terms of points scored because Michigan's defense is really good. But we, we do both think that they are, they, 
Ohio State is going to score more points against Michigan than anyone else has scored against Michigan this year. So we do expect that. And then I think the other side of a ball, we think that's probably going to be comparable to what Penn State and Maryland were able to do against Ohio State's defense. That is going to make it its share of plays. It's probably not going to be a dominant, completely shut Michigan down kind of game. But both of us ultimately think that Ohio State is, is going to be able to make that one more play, to be able to get that one more one more score. And we both have some field goals involved based on our, our score predictions, but we both think Ohio State is going to ultimately get that one more score. So we're both we're both predicting plenty of anxious moments for both fan bases in this game, a game that's going to come down to the wire. But this is a game that we, we've talked plenty all year about how games look and style points and all that. But none of that matters this week. The only thing that matters on Saturday is just getting that win. It does not have to look pretty. It does not matter. The only thing that matters on Saturday is coming out of there with a win. And if Ohio State wins this game, the fans are going to storm the field. Everybody's going to go crazy. It's going to be a raucous celebration in Columbus because Ohio State fans have been waiting for three years to celebrate a win over Michigan. That's a long time. And we will see if they get the opportunity to do so on Saturday. The game hasn't been in Columbus since, since 2018, Dan. I mean, it's been a long time. Fans are going to be hungry for this game. And I hear you might even class the join up a little bit, Dan, with a, a nicer look for the game. Yeah, I might have to dress up a little bit. This is a big game. This is It doesn't get any bigger than this, so we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. But yeah, I, I can't wait to be there on Saturday. I'm sure you can't either. going to be there early in the morning on Saturday getting ready for this one because I certainly think there's going to be a lot of traffic in Columbus, a lot of people out on campus early in the morning, even if it's a little bit cool out there, just for all, all the excitement in this one. So, so excited to be there. Can't wait. And we, of course, are going to have all kinds of coverage on 11warriors.com. We've already got tons of it up there this week. We'll continue to have it all to game day and then tons of coverage to come during and after the game on Saturday and then throughout next week. And we'll be back next week to if Ohio State wins, we'll be talking about a win and getting ready for a Big Ten championship game as Ohio State would qualify for the Big Ten championship game if Ohio State wins. And well, I don't think anybody really wants to even think about the ever possibility. So we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge if, if we have to come to it. But we'll definitely look forward to talking to you about all of it next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game. And we'll talk to you soon.